In every job that must be done, there is an element of fun. Fun, 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 fun. Light speed to the wondrous and wonderful. Cover is not there, but so open it up and take a look. Ah, if it isn't the only bookworm in town. What's that word again? Inspired. I have to sing. I have to play. The music, it's, it's not just in me. It is me. We're happier when you don't sing. Welcome to Notably Disney your ultimate podcast covering Disney music and books. I'm Brett Knackman, your host. Here we dig a little deeper and explore the great wide somewhere about everything under the Walt Disney Company umbrella as it pertains to tunes and writing, from the theme parks and television screens to the Broadway stage and the silver screen, if it relates to anything Disney songs, soundtracks, books, articles, or other things that you can listen to, or read about involving Disney, we'll examine it here. On this episode of Notably Disney, I am excited to bring back author Aaron Wallace as we continue our review of High School Musical, the musical, the series, the soundtrack. We're going to talk about more of the original songs and returning favorites from the franchise, so let's get right back to that discussion. Our next song is Truth justice and songs in our key um context here is where the the kids i kind of my note here aaron is feels like high school musical the musical the series equivalent of footloose with the kids disrupting (laughs) a public meeting (laughs) yeah yeah i had not thought of that that's such a great uh, comparison so um yeah ultimately what's really unique about this song is that at least at the beginning each of the main characters and even a few of the sub-characters who we kind of see on the side at times, or I should, recurring characters, they each character has a moment to sing a few lyrics so you hear their unique vocal qualities. And then there are some moments where it's in unison amongst all of them. But it, I feel like it's a good taste of what each of them brings to the table here, which is um, a wide range of uh, musical styles, but um, also just you know, different sounds and different degrees of fun, and it just feels like a joyous celebration of music. Absolutely. Uh, I love, love, love this song. Uh, It's definitely one that I repeat. Uh, You mentioned we hear all these individual lines from the different characters, and it opens with this really nice uh, set of notes from Courtney. Uh, and it has sort of a touch of gospel in the opening moments of the song, and then this doo-wop yeah. inflection slides in. And uh, so even though this is another song written by the duo of uh, Man and Lori, who we mentioned earlier, um, it it feels or sounds very uh, Mark Shaman-esque to me, uh, very Hairspray-esque. Um, and, and it's a throwback number in that way. Uh, and it also reminds me a little bit of the song I Put My Hand In from Hello Dolly, um, in that it is, again, this up, up-tempo throwback kind of a number that's also playing with the idea of patriotism. Because it has this very fun title, um, Truth, Justice, and Songs in Our Key, which is kind of a play on Truth, Justice, in the American Way. Uh, and yeah, it just, it's just really having fun with itself, in addition to being extremely catchy. Um, I, I love the points here. I, I hadn't noted Hairspray, but I had uh, indicated that, yeah, it feels like a 60s throwback piece um, because of some of the musical styles. Like, and, and even within Hairspray, um, the film and the production, there's like the Corny Collins show. Um, mm-hmm. And I kind of got that flavor of it in terms of just kind of um, just very poppy and, and old school but yet there's also these modern references like she's never seen dear evan hansen and then that yeah. causes a gasp which is just a blast <laughs> mm-hmm. 
And it also, there's a little bit of insult comedy at work in this song, uh, but but it's of the gentle variety that the Muppets often do. Like, for example, I, I could see this kind of song being sung about Miss Piggy. They'll often do that where they sing a song that is ostensibly singing Miss Piggy's praises, but it's also filled with all these little jabs at her. And they're playful, you know, and so they are, they are making those same sort of playful jabs uh, at the character of Miss Jin uh, at a moment when... <laughs> the school or society has kind of kicked her down and they're there to pick her back up, but they're having fun with it at the same time. So there are a lot of um, laugh out loud lyrics here. Well, and I, and I love that they're just, you know, they're advocating for her and they're, you're, we're seeing this progression with the characters in terms of feeling like they, you know, they can speak up and, and c considering that this is a, a direct um, follow-up to born to be brave. Um, mind you, that was, to be that was in the prior episode, but it kind of shows that development of okay, you know what they're they're braver now. Okay, now they can stand up and and you know cause a cause a ruckus in a, a public meeting in the high school cafeteria. Yeah. So um, moving on, we have episode seven. Out of the old is our original song here. Um, let's hear some initial thoughts on this piece, which is again another. Nini, Nini song. <laughs> it is, yeah. So we we first see Nini um, swinging in that neat little basket hammock that she has in the corner of her room, and uh, and you know she's writing the song, and then it sort of transitions into us um, hearing it, uh, hearing the the more polished uh, pop version of it and this is another song that for me is just it's a little it's a little too sort of generic radio for my taste uh it's 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 like a mid-tempo dance beat driven song very kind of radio foraging uh, you get the sense that they might have hoped that this would do well on the radio um it's not that it's bad it's just sort of unremarkable sort of safe I, I think for me it's very high school um, but i think what it is in spite of all that is again um a showcase not only of nini's voice but really of of this actress's potential as a pop star yeah and that very contemporary pop sound is undeniable um i i quite like it because i guess i think of a lot of trash that does exist out there on, <laughs> that that you know you have uh, where the voices are manipulated and you know mm -hmm. where it doesn't feel real and and maybe you get a tad of that once once you no longer have Nini sitting on her uh, awesome swing which I would love to own by the way yeah. uh, initially it's you know she's I think it, it starts on the ukulele if I'm not mistaken and it might it, be yeah and then it becomes uh, more upbeat on the guitar but um, I, I find it to be a perfect montage song because we see these characters who are working out their different challenges. Ricky is texting Nini and calling his mom. Gina's lamenting that she can't stay in the same um, city anymore. EJ is changing his profile. Nini eventually creates a collage and then applies for a new music school. It's very on the nose, but it's um, it's appropriate. It's an appropriate song, even if it's not the most um, original in that it it's telling the characters stories and, and showing their growth. We, we see them that, you know what, high school is a time of change and they need to get out of the old and into the new. Well, you know, that's a great perspective that I imagine will really help to enhance my appreciation as I go back and, and re-listen to this in a couple of ways. Uh, one, I think uh, maybe I should be a little more mindful of the lyrics because as you're sort of walking through that, I, I'm thinking, oh, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, I need to I need to maybe give that its due. Uh, but then also, I love this notion that if it is going to be a, a very sort of radio friendly song, at least it is one that isn't having to compensate for anyone's uh, vocal prowess or lack thereof. Uh, so yeah, that's a nice way to think about it. Yeah, no, I appreciate that. And it's it's one that's grown on me. Um, and it's funny, because like I was thinking about the song out of the context of the show and how, wow, this is really just, you know, it's a, it's a solid song. It's very um, pleasant to listen to. And then I was looking at it back within the setting of the scenes and it's, it's very emotional. And, and I, I, I just love that it's really talking about, you know, whether it be growing in your identity and, or um, changing in your relationships or even geography. And in Gina's case, it's, it's all about embracing 
as much as possible um, how we have control of our lives and the decisions we make have implications on others. Um, I did have to laugh though when it's, I, I said it already, it's so on the nose. Th there's a lyric, I don't fit in with these familiar faces. Right at the same moment that Gina, who's played uh, wonderfully by Sophia Wiley, she's packing up her trophies. And it's like, oh my gosh, could you could you say anything that's more explicit right now? It's saying, <laughs> like, I don't belong here. I need to go. <laughs> So, yeah, yeah. Just a little bit roll your eyes type of moment. <laughs> Anyways, um, another f f really fun and quirky song, um, kind of in the vein of Truth, Justice, and Song in Our Key, but very different, um, is Roll the Lifetime, which is in episode eight. And this is a fantasy sequence with um, you have Miss Jen, played by Kate uh, Rangers, I think is pronunciation. Um, but the fantasy sequence involves a familiar face from the original trilogy. We get Lucas Grabiel, who played Ryan, and he serves as a device for allowing her to feel more inspired and confident as a, as a an adult. Yeah, yeah. And you're just right at the right at the beginning. I have to say, it is so so great to just see and hear from him again. Uh, I've always really appreciated his singing voice and had always hoped for big things uh, from him. And and there for a while, he was very much in the spotlight. And then at least I haven't heard a lot from him musically uh, in, in the last number of years. And so this was a really welcome cameo. Um, and it's definitely a knowing cameo. Uh, so in addition to sounding great, he's also playing himself. And that opens the door to some really funny uh, meta lyrics. Uh, there's one point where he... Uh, as a measure of encouragement um, for for Miss Jen, he says, "Hey, someday you could get a great cameo," and it sort of you know gives a winking nod to the camera. And he also his voice swells as he sings cameos, so which is this really exuberant, um, self-referential moment uh, that I had a lot of fun with. Um, there are also a lot of fun musical theater lyrics in this song. They talk about uh, Wicked. They talk about I think um, oh gosh, Les Mis, I think it is and. Um, you know, in, in a, on top of all that, just musically, uh, it has a real sunny um, 70s, 1970s kind of a vibe, um, and yet also is very polished for, for like 2019, I guess it was. Uh, so I was thinking it's it's like Dear Evan Hansen meets Burt Bacharach, and also the theme song to the Mary Tyler Moore show. Um, and, and it is this kind of moment for Miss Jen, the character, to kind of throw her hat up in the air and realize, you know, I'm going to make it after all. Uh, and yeah, it's just, it's breezy in that way. Oh, I, I love that connection there. I, I didn't see that. I would never have thought of that until you mentioned that. And, you know, talk about self-referential material in addition to him talking about, okay, he's making a cameo. Kate Reindeer, Reinders um, played uh, Glinda in Wicked. Um, and, That's right. And she references saying, oh, she's more of a Glenda, not an Elphaba. So it's like, oh, my gosh, this is just a tribute to all musicals, including ones that these people have been a part of. Oh, my gosh. That is such a great point. So I I remember learning, I guess, early on in the series that she had played Glenda on Broadway. And I guess I just forgotten that fact. And so I think that was totally lost on me. Uh, when I finally reached this episode and in all of my subsequent listens, I, I had not picked up on that again. And so I'm just now putting two and two together. And wow, that that just makes me like the song even more. Yeah. Um, and yeah, you, you made references to all those great musicals, too. And, and and they do as well in the song. But they have a lot of fun with props and choreography here like there mm -hmm. you have one of the prop people um pushing a cart full of different outfits and there's like an Elsa outfit and it, it, you can tell that they they just had so much fun in just designing the the look for this in addition to the vocal quality and cleverness with the lyrics yeah yeah and, and you know we should mention we kind of uh, we skipped over it when we talked about um truth justice and songs in our key but uh this this is one of two times that we get a, um, 
an original High School Musical cast member returning, uh, because we also had, I believe her name is Casey Stroh, uh, best known as the Pop and Locket girl from uh, <laughs> Stick to the Status Quo in the original. And uh, she turned up in that episode. Now we get Lucas Gribiel actually singing in this episode. And I hope that that means that as this, uh, this series moves into season two, even though the High School Musical franchise will no longer be the musical focus of the series, I hope that we will get um, some additional cast members returning. Yes, I I would have to agree with you on that. Um, so the, the final original song that I have noted, I don't believe there was another one, is it actually is in the final episode of season one, and it's an original song in terms of um, being written uh, by Rodrigo and Bassett. So your Nini and Ricky, they co-wrote it along with Dan Book. Um, and it, the song takes place right before they're actually going to put on the production, um, the characters. What's really interesting, Aaron, unlike a lot of these other songs where the characters themselves are singing, this one, you hear the voices, but at least in the beginning where you're seeing them kind of um, prepare, they're, they're not you don't see their mouths moving, right? It's in the background. It's kind of mm -hmm. like, you know, in Tarzan, how you have Phil Collins <laughs> yeah. emoting for the characters. That's kind of the, the comparison I was making for here for this one. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, it's interesting to me that Joshua Bassett and Olivia Rodrigo worked on this song together because I'm wondering where in the production timeline did this get written i mean did these two actors know each other prior to this show or is this a song that was written much later in the process uh you know for them to have met during the casting process and then you know get to know each other and then sit down and write a song together um for that to have happened quickly is just sort of um i don't know that's remarkable if that's what happened yeah i'm almost positive that is the case because i remember listening to them on the d23 uh, inside Disney podcast and they discussed how yeah they um, they had the space where at, once they started working together to come up with things on their own and they, then they pitched it and ultimately the folks working on behind the scenes were in favor of incorporating this into the into the series that's that might be a reason why it's just played in the background maybe it was inserted a bit later but it works wonderfully yeah, it does. And yeah, that's, that's, um, it's really, I think it, it adds to one's appreciation of this song to know that, to know that there's back, that backstory. And um, of course, you mentioned that they co-wrote it with Dan Book, who is another one of these guys who's written a lot of big pop songs for a lot of big names. Uh, Britney Spears, Shania Twain, Demi Lovato, Hilary Duff, Miley Cyrus, David Archuleta, and a bunch of others. Uh, and so it is, again, it's very poppy. Uh, in, in that sense, but but it has a really cool rhythm, and uh, I am always a sucker for hand claps, um, which are used as percussion nice. in the song, but in a very subtle way. I mean, they're not in-your-face hand claps; they're just sort of buried in the background of the song. Um, and and this also is a track that does some cool things using uh, guitar strings as percussion. Uh, and so, yeah, I just I like that it's playful and inventive. Those are really good points about the the clapping and. And what I like, too, is when there's always some symbolism behind the lyrics and they sing um, the following. It, it don't feel like we're faking. When we're underneath the lights, my heart's no longer broken for a moment, just for a moment. So this notion of, yeah, they've they've been in love and they have these strong feelings for one another. And, you know, the, the magic of being on stage and how that serves as an escape mechanism of sorts, but also being able to channel feelings in the unique manner that is unlike any other um any other part of society really yeah yeah and this is the song that represents their their reuniting which is one of the big arcs of of this season and so maybe it's appropriate that it is the final uh, original song as you say that we get during this season which then paves the way for um season 10 or episode 10 rather to really be a tribute to high school musical because um we hear a lot of the original movie songs in that final episode and, and sort of it's sort of it's it's like it's like the original songs are stepping back to let the thing that we're all here to celebrate really shine in the final episode absolutely so in thinking about all of these original songs, and of course we recognize that the soundtrack has some additional versions of some of them, and I would highly encourage folks to check out 
the um, Disney Music Vivo YouTube channel where we get some uh, bus bus karaoke versions of uh, the, the cast singing these songs in unison. But thinking about these original songs, Aaron, um, what would you say are the, the standouts in your opinion? Okay, I'm so glad you said standouts because uh, I, I was worried you were going to make me pick one and I was uh, frantically thinking, oh my gosh, I have three and I don't know which one I'll choose. So, okay, so you said songs. So I'll say the three that to me are the standouts are, I think I kind of, you know, uh, the first one that we talked about, uh, Wondering, which is that big power ballad. And then just because it's so fun, um, Truth, Justice, and Songs in Our Key. Uh, those for me are the three that I will for sure keep playing over and over again. What about you, Brett? Uh, we're two-thirds aligned. So okay. I, I picked, um, in case we talked about three, I had, I think I kind of, you know, of course. Mm-hmm. I also had Wondering. And the third one would be Just for a Moment. Um, I, I I just think it's really awesome that that these these young actors are amazing songwriters in themselves and and just and obviously I'm sure Dan Book helped um, flesh it out even further but very capable and it was just a, a nice closure to season one and showing the evolution of their relationship and it's just beautiful and a fantastic love song it's a commercial hit that I would want or it's the type of song that I would want to be a commercial hit because mm-hmm. it has a, like a very sweet sentiment to it. But I also believe it's quite accessible to folks in terms of feeling like it's very fitting in our day and age. Yeah. 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 And, you know, you opened this whole discussion uh, by saying that perhaps surprisingly, High School Musical, the musical, the series is very much a musical uh, in that there are original songs performed by characters and they grow through these characters. And so this is all just sort of um, underscoring that. I mean, here you are talking about this final song in the series, final original songs being the culmination of, of growth for these characters. And so that is a testament to how well this first season functions as a distinct musical. Indeed. And in addition to these original songs, of course, fans would be uh, causing an uproar if there weren't nods to the original high school musical songs, or at least from the first film. And we get um, most, if not all of them, um, at some point over the course of season one. What were your thoughts on the new renditions of some of the common tunes that we have come to know over the past 14 years? Yeah, you know, I mean, first of all, I'll just say I enjoyed them all. There, there was never a cover where I thought, oh, you know, do we have to sit through this or this is um, drastically worse than the original. Um, the, maybe the one that doesn't quite resonate with me is their cover of Get Your Head in the Game. Uh, but that isn't the easiest song to cover to begin with. Uh, but otherwise, I, I just really enjoyed reliving these songs, um, you know, through someone else's voice and sometimes with um, modestly different instrumentation, sometimes with... Um, a very different take on the song. So I'll just highlight a few of my my favorites. I guess that what you want to do to sort of talk in general about uh, some of our favorites of the original of the the original songs. Yeah, that absolutely works. Okay, so I mean for me, I'll say probably my absolute favorite is one that I think did not make it onto the soundtrack. And it's where uh, it's a scene about halfway through the series where Courtney is asked to do a mic check um, during a rehearsal. And she goes to the mic and sings, I think it's Bop to the Top. And this is a moment where most of the characters don't realize what a phenomenal singer she is. And it's a very different performance of, of that song than we're used to hearing. And it just such a great show, showcase of this big, powerful voice that she has. And I really wish they had done a studio version of that because uh, it just really stood out to me. Um, that's number one. Uh, number two would be the final... I think it's the final episode's production of Stick to the Status Quo. What I like about that is that we hear the part of Sharpay um, being performed uh, vocally by a man, which is just a, a very different and interesting take. And it's uh, interesting to hear a strong, powerful, belting voice sing those lyrics as opposed to the sort of caricatured, uh, more nasally performance that we get um, from Ashley Tisdale Sharpay. Uh, and then the third is the the cover of Vanessa Ann Hudgens' um, solo ballad in the movie, uh, When There Was Me and You, which has never been my favorite song. In fact, I would say it's always been my least favorite song from High School Musical. Uh, but 
because Ricky performs it as this um, sort of acoustic singer-songwriter uh, ballad, it, it just took on a new life for me. And so for the first time, I was kind of able to appreciate that song because it seemed uh, memorable to me for the first time. So those are my three. All good picks. Um, I, I really, the one that stood out to me is one that you just highlighted, which was Stick to the Status Quo. Um, I looked up the actor's name. Uh, Joe Serafini plays Seb, and he hits some incredibly high notes as Sharpay mm-hmm. and does a really wonderful job. I, I love the, the notion of, um, you know, kind of gender swapping with the casting and, and that being kind of considered uh, a, a little bit um, different, but it all ultimately worked out. I, I wish we had actually seen more of their production of the musical because I liked the little moments that we got, and that was just such an upbeat and uplifting song from the original film, and it's um, illustrated really in a very touching, nostalgic way via their performance of it at the end of the season. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So, what were some of your others? I all, <laughs> It may not have been yours, but I, I quite like their version of Get Your Head in the Game. I, okay. just, I find it, <laughs> It's okay, we can disagree on a few things, right? Yeah. But, um, I, I just... You know, mind you, it's kind of a, you have to, I've said with so many of these examples, you kind of roll your eyes and, and that's one of those pieces where it's just, it's meant to be playful and uh, mm-hmm. a little bit um, quirky. I, I like it. I think it works just fine. Um, but yeah, I think those, for me, those were the two that stood out. I, I was never a fan of, or really even remembered the uh, Hudgens song that you just mentioned when there was me and you um, yeah. that, that one for me is very forgettable um, but um, and, and we also get a few different versions of start of something new mm-hmm. um, by a few of the different characters when they're rehearsing um, and those are okay um, I, I much preferred if I looked at the catalog of songs from the f- first season of this series the originals versus from the original film i probably would say um, these songs from the series were more appealing to me overall but that might also be by virtue of really having enjoyed the narrative of the series more than um, some of the campiness that's even more um, present in in the film sure yeah i think that's fair um and and you know there's just something about being able to to appreciate the high school musical songs on a, in a way that that never has to pretend that they are more serious than they are, because I think if you watch the movie on some level, you're supposed to take them pretty seriously. And in this series, you aren't. And so it's always liberating in a way to kind of enjoy those songs um, for the for the sort of campy classics that they've become. Uh, and, and there are a lot of moments where you know, they're, they're sort of like half performances or half covers uh, that don't make their way onto the soundtrack. I mentioned one earlier uh, with Courtney performing Bop to the Top. But there's also a moment, for example, where Miss Jen has all the students hold hands and it's like they're going to have a prayer circle or something. But instead, she starts singing. We're all in this together in a very diva-esque fashion. And there are all these uh, all the other characters are kind of looking at each other like, what is she doing? And um, yeah, just like fun moments like that. And I really appreciate oh my gosh i almost forgot about that that was one of the best scenes from the i'm not sure if that was the first or second episode but that was that was pretty fun Mm -hmm. oh yeah that you know what maybe there will be an expanded version at some point right where they'll include some of these little moments i know yeah well i have a question for you uh yeah you know you mentioned um you mentioned these characters abilities to take on previous characters or previous actors roles would you ever want to see a version of high school musical like a remake of high school musical starring this cast from the series that's a fantastic and very uh peculiar question (laughs) um apparently that's that has run through your head as a possibility I'll, i'll put it this way if the writing um if they if the writing could be a little bit stronger and, mm-hmm. and perhaps the original source material could be made slightly more mature as we see with some of the content in the series, then I'm totally game. I would be fine with a, a remake um, because I, th- 
mind you, I, I doubt this is going to happen, and, and certainly so if the you know the actors start look actually looking like adults as opposed to high schoolers. But yeah. I I would be game. I think this. I can't think of the last time I've watched a series featuring a group of young actors that has been the stellar. Maybe I, I didn't really watch um, Glee, but I know many of them were really really talented too. These kids are these young adults are just incredible performers, and I'd love to see more of them across other projects, even outside of the Disney sphere too. Yeah, yeah, I, me too, and, and I hope that they go on to big things, and I'm also glad that it sounds like they're going to be around for season two. Uh, but yeah, you saying that just now, I'm now envisioning a remake of High School Musical that gets a Disney Plus-sized budget with Disney Plus production values, but it's a version of High School Musical that not only stars this cast in those original roles, uh, but also is this series new and improved version of High School Musical. So we get a three-dimensionalized Miss Darvis with her own solo in Act Two. And we get a more empowered version of Gabriella, whose, whose storyline is rewritten so that she isn't so defined by her affection for Troy. Uh, wow. I mean, that, it could just really be really incredible. And it would, it would be High School Musical, the musical, the series, the remake, in a way. Or something like that. <laughs> it would just be this extra level of meta celebration of this series of, of the franchise. So I, I think Disney needs to hire us to write that script because there's a, there's a lot of material that could go into that, and I I love the notion of kind of spinning the original somewhat. And oh my gosh, I could I could even th see it being more meta where you have the original cast of the uh, of the film kind of helping these <laughs> actors. <laughs> develop the new version of the of the first film it, my gosh meta could not be any more appropriate in describing <laughs> the series i remember the the gentleman from disney channel i can't think of his name off the top of my head but um in introducing disney plus on um, the disney channel uh based productions on disney plus at d23 expo and talking about Okay, you have to, you know, wrap your head around this concept. Imagine High School Musical, the musical series, and it just became so convoluted in concept. But in terms of execution, wow, this is a perfect way of bringing a familiar franchise onto a new platform, spinning it a little bit, and and making it have its own identity as well. Absolutely, and I have to tell you, I'm so glad that you reached out to me. To, uh, to discuss all of this with you because it really gave me an opportunity to uh, sit down with the soundtrack at least. And as I mentioned, I, I went back and rewatched the first episode as well. Uh, but because of that, I've really just been reflecting on these characters and the storylines and what I appreciate about the series and the music over the past few weeks. And I might not have done that otherwise. And um, rather than falling apart on second look or closer closer scrutiny um it's only enhanced my appreciation so thank you for that oh well thank you Aaron. um a couple more things i, I want to mention but i what i really appreciate too through this conversation is you gave some really nice background to some of the songwriters and thinking about some of these um popular singers and musical styles that are really evident um within the series it's this is I, I know it might be um, a controversial thing to say, and I and I think I told you this when we first talked about the series. I, I think this might be up there with like the top things that have been, you know, in its first six months of original programming. This might be among the best piece of content on Disney Plus. Yeah. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, I agree. I mean, this is, as you said, it's a controversial thing to say, but I prefer this to The Mandalorian, which is not to knock The Mandalorian, but just if I have to rank, if I have to pick my favorite, it would be, I think, High School Musical, the musical series. And and I would be lying if I said that um, the Imagineering story documentary, that would still probably be... Like, true, the, true. I, I've watched that now twice, and I probably could watch it an additional two times in this calendar year, but um, yeah, it... And thankfully, and this is perhaps a, a perfect conclusion of sorts, we're going to get a season two of this series. Um, it's been announced that the production that they will be focusing on is none other than Beauty and the Beast, 
of course they had to stay in the Disney mold. Um, Derek Huff has been cast in the series as well. We know him from Dancing with the Stars and he's um, handled singing. He's been a judge on World of Dance. Um, uh, I know some of the recurring characters have become full cast members as well. What are you looking forward to with season two? Well, let me ask you first, because I'm curious. Okay, were, go for it. Were or are you at all disappointed on any level that season two is not going to be High School Musical 2? I, okay, so my answer might be uh, maybe not aligned with most. I don't really like High School Musical <laughs> Yeah, <though>. yeah. <laughs> so, um, I really can't. I maybe remember one or two songs from that film. I, in terms of the films themselves, I preferred number one and three and the songs I, I enjoyed also from those two films. I, I just never connected with the second film. I understand from a, um, a structural standpoint that that would have been nice um, for, for fans of the franchise. I, I really am not too disappointed, but I, I sense the effect. I sense that you have some thoughts on this. <laughs> well, I mean, I'm, I'm of two minds about it. You know, the the part of me that does really enjoy High School Musical 2, uh, despite all its many, many flaws, <laughs> would have loved to have seen these characters tackle that ridiculous storyline and also those songs, which I do really enjoy. So, I, I, you know, it's, it's a little it's a little bittersweet to say, OK, we're going to have to let that dream go. Uh but I do think that for the sake of the series, um, it is really a much healthier direction to do something new. Uh, it won't, I think it's less likely to feel like retread um, or like it's spinning its wheels um, for it to go in a completely different direction. Uh, the, the choice of Beauty and the Beast is very interesting. Obviously, I love those songs and, and, and I love that story. So I'm, I'm glad to see it in that sense. But I do worry uh, that this is all getting a little too insular. I mean, for Disney to keep turning to its limited number of stage musical properties across so many other properties, I worry that they run the risk of fatigue. So, I mean, we've seen Beauty and the Beast uh, turn up in Encore on Disney+. Plus. Um, we know that they're doing a number of things with the Beauty and the Beast musical um, coming up soon, including a revival that's supposedly in the works. And so I just worry that maybe they're doing a little too much with it. We also just got the live-action Beauty and the Beast remake. But, hey, I, I'm... I am ultimately excited to see what they do with that show in season two. Yeah, that's very true in terms of really um, relying too much on popular franchises for various projects. What I I didn't watch too many episodes of Encore, but I appreciated that only like one or two of them focused on Disney musicals, mm -hmm. and that they you know show the range of musicals that have defined. Um, you know, American entertainment. But yeah, I think I was both excited when they announced Beauty and the Beast because I know that there was going to be this big announcement of what are they going to tackle next. I was also equally disappointed that it wasn't Newsies just yeah. because of thinking, and mind you, I recognize that Newsies is a mostly um, male-centered cast in terms of the characters, and I think there could have been ways of spinning that. But considering the Newsies material really focused on on youth trying to um, gain control and power um, in terms of, you know, the obviously the, the real life history that um, is the source material. I think that would have been a more appropriate fit in terms of thinking of how can you capitalize on the characters that you have by the same token. Do we want to see Nini as Belle? Probably. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I think I do think she'll make a great bell. But no, gosh, you're right. Newsies would have been killer, and I would, as even though I am looking forward to Beauty and the Beast in season two, I would have been infinitely more excited had they announced uh, Newsies. And you're right, it would have created some really um, prime opportunities for um, creative changes in casting or or um, gender bending, etc. Uh, but but it it's it'll be it's it's got to be an interesting challenge for the show. Uh, given that the, this cast was clearly chosen in part with um, with the High School Musical characters in mind. And so now they're having to take those actors to a show that they weren't necessarily cast for. Uh, I, I, again, we, we've, we've 
praised them and their wide range of talent. So I don't have any doubt that they can make the leap, but it'll just be interesting to see um, how those casts line up, I guess. Um, looking forward to a theoretical season three, obviously I would love to see Newsies happen, but I'm curious, do you think that Disney Plus would ever allow this series to venture outside of Disney's walls? Could we see them do, mm. I don't know, a, a Gypsy or a Rent or something like that? And Well, maybe not Rent. <laughs> Might be a little adult for Disney Plus, but you know, some other famous non-Disney musical in, in a future season. Yeah, I'm not sure if I'm going to see Ashlyn singing Light My Candle. Rent, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I think so. Here's my interpretation. I think it was risky to some degree of not relying on High School Musical 2 as the obvious choice for season two, that they are going with a different Disney property that will allow them to um, maybe take some different directions. I, I don't think Disney's in the mindset, especially with a series like this, where it is kind of a, a taking very light risks um, in terms of source material. And then I think about, okay, are they going to have issues with rights in acquiring um, music um, that they don't technically own? Um, I don't know. I I would I, I appreciate experimentation and I would love to see them. You know, you mentioned Hairspray earlier. That would be fantastic. Oh, yeah. Um, or... I love, mind you, this is totally not a, a, a production that involves kids or teenagers. Hairspray makes perfect sense. But um, if you've ever seen Company, um, which is originally was a Sondheim musical mm -hmm. from the 70s, and um, it's absolutely brilliant. But uh, yeah, I think Disney's going to just go with their catalog. Hopefully they, um, maybe they even go for musicals that haven't been performed on Broadway. Like maybe they'll go for, um, I don't know, Pocahontas or something, right? Yeah. Probably not, but <laughs> you know what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. Oh, gosh. That, I, I would really like to see them try that, actually. But, yeah, I think it's just pretty much a given. We'll see EJ as Gaston and call today, and we'll have <laughs> all the obvious choices. It'd be fun to see, okay, oh, Ashlyn will play Maurice, or, <laughs> mm. or Nini I can see will that. do something else, right? You never know, but... yeah. So while we have a lot to look forward to, we don't know at this point um, when season two will debut. And um, it's unclear as to how far along in production they were with season two before COVID-19 um, really um, dominated our society and world. But I think we'll have a lot to look forward to once it does ultimately premiere on Disney+. Plus. I agree. I'm looking forward to it. And uh, yeah, that'll be one of the... Um, one of the announcements of, of a Zoom production schedule that will um, really make me excited uh, in the future. So I look forward to that. Well, to wrap things up, Aaron, typically um, we have the common set of Disney-related questions that I ask all the guests. Considering you are a five-timer now and we handled that <laughs> once, I um, it would be redundant to ask you the same questions. But I did think of a, a random Disney question that I thought would be really applicable for our conversation. So um, putting you on the hot seat, thinking, okay. thinking about Disney Plus, and there's a lot of programming on the docket. Um, we've heard a lot of different um, movies being reimagined in new ways or um, kind of hits, um, remakes. You know, we, we're hearing about all these different ways of spinning familiar Disney projects or just new takes for a new generation. Is there a Disney franchise or brand that you think deserves the Disney Plus original series treatment, assuming that it has not ever existed in the form of the series or it hasn't been announced? Oh, gosh. Okay, so this would be something that was never a TV series. So it has to be like a movie or something like that that would yeah. be adapted as a series. Precisely. Absolutely. Oh, gosh. Hmm. Okay, well, the very first thing that comes to mind is is technically Touchstone, but it is the original is available on Disney Plus, so hopefully it counts. Uh, but that's Sister Act uh, because I can see this whole idea of uh, a convent filled with mischievous nuns um, who maybe sometimes get involved in crime capers, uh, lending itself to a really enjoyable series, and there'd be an opportunity for music as well. Well, for one, I'm not surprised to hear you say that because I know how much you love that 
Um, I, I wasn't sure if that would be your answer. But I think on positive news front, it is announced that there is some new Sister Act project in the works. It's not clear if it will be a remake or a reimagining or what, but there is something in the works that relates to that brand. Yeah, and and you know, Whoopi Goldberg has said that she has been asked to play a small role in it. I think she's not happy that it's only a small role, but it sounds like she's going to go forward with it forward with it nonetheless. I know there were some online petitions circulating to increase that role. Uh, so we'll see what happens with all of that. That's another thing where I have no idea how far into production, if at all, it was uh, before everything sort of came to an unfortunate grinding halt. Um, another thing that was happening outside of Disney is that uh, the Sister Act uh, musical was uh, getting a revival over in London, and uh, Whoopi is starring uh, in a reworked version of that show in London that uh, focuses on an older Sister Mary Clarence. And uh, I was actually looking into going over to London for that in the summer. Uh, unfortunately, it looks like that production won't be happening any long either. But all that to say, uh, it's nice to know that Sister Act is being remembered and that Disney, in fact, is remembering it and looking to do something with it in the future. Um, but that's a lot of talk about Sister Act. Uh, I'm curious, Brett, do you have an answer to your own question, if I can uh, put you on the hot seat? Oh, my gosh. Well, the tables have turned. Um, Indeed. And I, you know, maybe it's because I was reading a headline earlier about it today and how it was edited on Disney Plus. Um, it's not my favorite film, but I, I love the qualities associated with it. Splash with Tom Hanks mm. and Daryl Hannah. Um, it's not the finest piece of cinema, but it was very important for Disney's uh, ultimate foray into more adult fare. Um, we saw the launch of Touchstone Pictures. We were talking about that earlier with Sister Act. Um, because of that movie's debut um, in 1984, it was um, definitely more covering more adult material. Um, and ultimately, the headlines we're, we're recording in mid-April for context. There were some headlines today saying, "Oh, you know, people are complaining because um, because Splash was edited to um, reduce uh, nudity um, because there's some partial nudity in that film." And, and it's funny because I was rewatching. Um, Splash uh, not too long ago, and I'm like, oh, Disney edited this. I remember um, it being a little bit more risque. I, I'd love to see an original series for Splash that just focuses on a mermaid adapting to modern Manhattan life. I think that would be fun, and it would kind of be, you know, kind of maybe in the same vein of Sister Act, kind of appealing to a more adult audience. There have been complaints that there's not enough programming on Disney Plus that's just going to appeal to folks who aren't seeking that family-friendly material, but, you know, also not being too much HBO-like. I think Splash would be kind of fun to see in a modern day and age. Gosh, I really like that idea. And there's, there's so much to unpack in what you just brought up. I mean, certainly I think the ongoing uh, censorship of their own back catalog is emerging as a real problem for Disney Plus uh, that sort of exacerbates the underlying problem that was already a big source of complaint, as you mentioned, which is that there isn't enough content to appeal to um, adult subscribers who don't necessarily have families with small children. So I, I think that's something that Disney is going to have to address, particularly in an environment where Disney Plus is suddenly becoming an increasingly part, important part of their, all over, their overall business. Uh, I would hope that the long-term solution would be uh, in a you know in a, a password-protected adults-only um, access point into a Disney Plus where maybe there isn't R-rated content, but we could at least get Splash of all things unedited. Um, I would welcome that, and and maybe within that same uh, hypothetical gateway, we could access Splash the series, and it could be just a little bit PG or PG-13. And uh, I think that sounds like a lot of fun. And I now want to go rewatch the original Splash uh, because it's been a very long time for me. Yes, and I'm just going to ask the obvious question: If Sister Act um, is remade, and same with Splash, who, what modern actresses can we think of who would play the principal roles? Is there anybody who comes to mind? Oh my goodness! Oh, that's difficult. I just don't know. You know, knowing that the role of Sister Mary Clarence in Sister Act was originally supposed to be played by Bette Midler. Uh, that really opens my mind to the type of um, comedian who can take on that role, because those are two very different actresses with very different styles. 
all that to say, I have no idea. I just feel like it could be a lot of different people. <laughs> Do you have an answer for yours? Um, gosh, for Splash, I don't know. You you need to have you know a, an actress, presumably in her twenties or thirties, who is kind of um, quirky and out there, but is also just absolutely lovable. If she wasn't such big a star, and maybe they'll be entertaining the idea of. Um, you know, as we've seen a lot of big actors go on to television and it's not a big deal, I think Emma Stone would bring an interesting spin to the Madison role. Oh. So, yeah, I know I, I know can... she's playing Cruella, but you know what? Let's just leverage Emma Stone because she's just generally great. <laughs> yeah, she really is. And that will just be uh, one more uh, one more piece of evidence for her eventual uh, consideration as a Disney legend if it were to happen. But yeah, I could 1000 uh, percent see her in that role. Yeah, as long as it, yeah, as long as it's not Christina Aguilera, I'm okay. We had a <laughs> conversation about her online. So, oh gosh, yeah. Somehow I don't see that working. Yeah. Anyways, well, let's make sure um, listeners know how to get in touch with you if they're not connected with you on social media already, Aaron. Yeah, sure. So you can find me on your know, Twitter at Aaron Wallace, uh, on Instagram at Aaron H. Wallace, um, or you can just go to my website uh, for links to everything I do, AaronWallaceOnline.com. Um, there you can find my book series, uh, which Brett mentioned earlier, The Thinking Fan's Guide to Disney, uh, with entries for Epcot, uh, the movie Hocus Pocus, and uh, just recently released um, a book on Magic Kingdom updated for 2020, uh, which is now available in ebook as well. Wonderful. Well, you know, one song we didn't make reference to in our conversation for High School Musical, the musical of the series, was we're all in this together. And um, during this time, there's a lot of uncertainty in the world. There's also a lot of um, confusion and fears, but um, music can bring a lot of joy to our lives. And, and I think the notion of we're all in this together is very applicable to the environment that we are inhabiting. So I appreciate you joining me tonight, Aaron, and I encourage all of you to revisit the music of High School Musical, the musical, the series. So thanks again. Absolutely. This was so much fun. Thanks, Brett. And many thanks to Aaron for joining me on Notably Disney as we talked about High School Musical, the musical, the series, the soundtrack. Um, Many of you may have recalled that Aaron has been a guest on the podcast before many times, hence that's why we didn't do the Ask My Questions and Get Some Answers segment, but it's always a pleasure to have him on as we discuss some of our favorite Disney-related things. And I'm sure, like many of you, we're all eagerly awaiting the second season of the Disney Plus original series so we can stay tuned for more content from this great show, especially as they explore one of my favorite musicals, Beauty and the Beast. So a lot to look forward to when season two debuts. Thanks again for joining me on another episode of Notably Disney. I invite you to subscribe to the podcast and leave a review. Follow me on Twitter at bnachmanreports. That's B-N-A-C-H-M-A-N reports. And be among the first to find out about the release of new episodes. I also encourage you to send me an email to notablydisney at gmail.com regarding your thoughts of the show, as well as suggestions for content. So until we turn the page on another chapter, I'm Brett, and thanks for listening to Notably Disney. Notably, Disney is not affiliated with the Walt Disney Company or any of its subsidiaries. Consequently, the perspectives and opinions expressed by the host and guests are strictly theirs and do not represent the views of the Walt Disney Company and its employees. The main purpose of the Notably Disney podcast is to offer information and critiques about the Walt Disney Company. 